Certainly by now, most of you have probably heard that Jason Ritchie has left the hospital and he has um, been reunited with his family. <clears throat> what a special time that was as we, many of us and probably most of us, were praying for him as he was fighting for his life and we just honestly did not know how it was going to end up. We prayed for the very best, for God's mercy and for God's grace. And last week, an email or text or something came out. My wife read, read it to me from Katie Moffitt. Some of you might have seen it, and I'm not going to read every word of it. But she said, but the most powerful thing that has made an imprint on my soul is Martha's faith, Jason's wife, and devotion to God during this time. Faith to call on others to pray. Faithfully calling on others, giving updates to, to, so we could know how to pray very specifically. Jason's faith, when he told Mary, we're in God's will. His selfless faith, when he found out that all the beds were filled and he asked the nurse, am I, I'm not taking someone else's bed, am I? Can you imagine Fighting for your life and thinking of others. Maybe somebody else needs my bed. Can you imagine Jason's mother? After losing her husband to COVID this year. And now her son is battling for his life. Can you imagine? Put yourself in a mother's place and what that must have been like. Knowing that it could happen. And praying, oh God, it doesn't happen. I wonder if any of you are like us and you've asked the question, I wonder how I would have handled it. Or would you have been real honest with yourself and said, I don't know if I could have handled it like that. Now, that's on that testimony. I want to shift gears and move to another area of consideration. Most of you've heard and know that when Lynn and I got married and I surrendered to preach. I've been now in the full-time ministry April for 46 years and five months. That's older than most of you in this room. <clears throat> I turned 74 last month on the 13th of September. And we've been here at North Belt for 35 years and two and a half months. That's why I said we could have a flashback to 1986. But you probably haven't really thought about it 
But we together, North Belt, together, are actually seeing something that's pretty rare. It's pretty rare in preacher circles. I did some research. John, I've, I've benefited when you were teaching the young men, and I, I was always captivated by some of the research, and I wish I had to talk to you to get some more details about how to do that. But just in my layman's insecurity of trying to figure out how to do that, I, I, just, I just did the search to try to find out why pastors leave the ministry. And this was by Fuller Institute, George Barna, and Pastoral Care Incorporated. Now, I'm going to give you some statistics. I don't see these as dry, but they're very informative. And, and again, we can always challenge, well, who did they check and ask all these questions? It just does give a flavor of what I do believe and know is a reality. I don't know if the exact numbers are exactly right and all of that. And, you know, you could, you know, pin everything down. But this just gives you an idea of what I'm talking about, of being able to finish to the end, complete the assignment that God has given us. And all of us have been given a different assignment, but we're all to finish our course and endure to the end. Now, in this search I did, it said that 1,500 clergy leaving pastoral ministry each month, 1,500 a month leave the pastoral ministry. And that was by Barna Research Group. 61, get this, and there's like, you know, some say, well, justification, and there's more research on that. I didn't get it. I'm not giving you everything I read, okay, but I'm just giving you a taste of it. 61% of congregations have forced a pastor to leave Christianity today. 61% of churches have forced their pastor to leave. 83% of clergy spouses want their spouse to leave the pastoral ministry, Hartford Institute of Religious Research. 83% of the spouses say, get out. Leave it. 90% of clergy in all denominations will stay in the ministry, will not stay, excuse me, will not stay in the ministry long enough to reach the age of retirement. The U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Now think about that. That's why I said we're, we're on viewing a ministry. I, mean, I think 74 is kind of in that age bracket. 90% of clergy in all denominations will not stay in the ministry long enough to reach the age of retirement. And retirement age is what? 65. 50% of pastors indicated that they would leave the ministry if they had another way of making a living. Hartford Institute for Religious Research. Now listen to this one. And this one I've personally, early on, knew about and worked hard to prevent. 80% of 
believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their family. 80%. Many pastors' children do not attend church now because of what the church has done to their parents. Forty percent of pastors report serious conflict with a parishioner at least once a month. Fifty percent of all ministers starting out will not last five years. And this is a sad one. And I don't, I don't even know the year. This is recent, I believe. But over 4,000 churches closed their doors in America last year. 4,000 churches. And a lot of, I also read that a lot of the churches say they can't find someone to fill their pulpit. Now, personally, and I'll not go into details or name names, but I've been verbally attacked. I've had a woman out here in this parking lot shaking her finger at me and yelling at me over an illustration I used between me and my wife in our early days of marriage. I've had my grammar corrected and my pronunciation corrected many times. You've heard the stories from Sandy. Y'all remember that, don't you? The story I told. I went, we went to see Sandy in the hospital and she had oxygen all hooked up. And I went in and I made a comment. And she, I mean, here, I'm there to bring comfort to this woman. And she corrected me with her oxygen tube on and told me I was saying a word wrong. I wanted to squeeze her oxygen tube. That was my flesh. I'm telling you, that is honest. That's the truth. And then the time that we had one of the men close the door and said, how do you say that word? And I said it, and he said, that's not correct. I've had phone calls where a father called me. He was very respectful, very polite. And he says, there's a word that you've said. It wasn't a bad word or anything. It's a word that all of us say. But I said it and he said, I'm just trying to protect my children from hearing that word. If there's any way that you can let me know um, when you're going to use that word, I'll get my family and we'll go out and then you will come back in. So much for being led of the Spirit. Um, I used an illustration one time. It was in a it was in a in a book, in an illustration book. And this fellow was um, barbecuing out on the grill, and the dog came up and grabbed a steak, and took off. And he was chasing the dog through yards and everything. He was yelling, "Bad dog! Bad dog! Bad dog!" And then he ran in this guy's yard, and all of a sudden, boom! And he said, well, why'd you shoot the dog? He said, well, I thought you were yelling mad dog. I had a couple come in my office and close the door and say, that illustration offended my family. 
So you wonder why statistics like this are the way they are? Had a couple one time come in and I had said something in the pulpit that they both heard, both of them. We, we heard you. I said, no, I didn't say that. No, we both, two of us, we're witnesses, two of us heard you. Got the sound guys, they brought the cassette in, we listened to it, and I did not say what they both heard I said. How do you endure to the end? How do you stay with the assignment that all of us face, whether it be health or whether it be marriage? I'm thinking about marriage. How do you hang in there and not just one day say, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm going to do something else. The agonizing, listen, we don't know the agonizing pain and suffering that some that never, ever, ever say anything about it. But they're in pain. They're hurting. And they are literally going through misery every day of their lives. And they're not making a big deal about it. They're just doing it. But how do they hang in there to the very end and not give up? How do you endure? There are many aspects of the Christian life that I think in, in the Christian experience that we could say, okay, here's a list of 15 things. And, and there are so many things that play into being able to stay with it. I'm not going to go through a, a list but because I'm just driving home one main point today. Just one main point. But just to take note, we all have to have faith in our Heavenly Father that He is always good. That He never makes any mistakes. Now we may not... It's, I'm going to tell you what... Much of what we go through in life, we would never had drawn out for ourselves. But we've got to have confidence in His sovereignty, in who He is. We can trust Him and Him alone. That He is working all things together for our good. We've got to believe this book. If you don't believe this book, you're in sad trouble. You got to know that whatever happens in our lives, whatever it is, God has permitted it. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage us today and give you just a few verses from the scriptures. And you need to know this little thought. And I don't know who coined it. I've, I've read it, heard it preached. I've heard it said. It's not so much that I'm holding on to him. But the fact is, he is holding on to me. I do believe that with all of that, trusting and believing his word and all those things that I've already just touched on. I believe there is one key factor, one key factor to enduring to the end.
to stay in till the end, finishing the assignment that God has called you to. And that's his enabling grace. His enabling grace to succeed in whatever it is that God has called you to do. One of my favorite passages, and of course you've heard me read it so many times, but I just want to refer once again just to Just the thought, not, not, the, not the whole verse or not the whole context, but just the thought of 2 Corinthians 12.9. When the Apostle Paul was praying that God would remove the thorn in the flesh, these words ought to stand out to you. When you're going through that trial, when you're going through the struggle, when you're being tempted to throw in the towel, when you say, I just don't take, I think I can take it another day. I don't even think I can put one foot in front of the other. I don't think I can even get out of bed because of the weight that's so heavy on me. And listen, folks, that's real. People face that. People face that where they just say, I just don't, I just, they curl up and they say, I just don't think I can even get up. But if you could just hear as a believer, as you could hear the Lord say to you, as he said to the Apostle Paul, my grace, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for thee. Remember those words, when the room is dark and the weight is heavy, and you just don't think you can take another step. You just can't pull yourself out of bed, not because you're lazy, because it's just the burden is so heavy. My grace is sufficient for thee. Whatever it is that he's called you to, you know, we celebrated, and you've heard me talk about it, we have celebrated 51 years of marriage last month. 51 years. Do y'all know that when I got married, I had such a reputation that there were actually people having bets on the side that we wouldn't last hardly any time because they just knew my character. They knew what a, well, they knew me. But you see, they didn't know the new me. They didn't know the saved me. They did not know that Jesus was working in my heart and life to change me. Others surviving sickness, months and months in the hospital and battling for just the breath they breathe. And they, they come out good on the other side. Being called into full-time ministry, staying in the ministry. Y'all, I think about y'all and others. Staying in the ministry. Because the attacks are real. Not just from, it is a spiritual battle. And I'm going to tell you this, and Pastor Joe, you know, and y'all know. Satan is out to destroy 
your family. Satan is out to destroy because everyone knows if the pastor can fail, it makes a bigger splash than the guy sitting on the back row every week. It's always a bigger splash when a pastor fails than when someone that's just there occasionally fails. I think about Mateo. That young man's got energy that I wish I had. He, he goes into places that most of us wouldn't go. And yet he's going with zeal. He's been called. But you see, this is what we should pray for. That he should finish to the end. Not just go hard for ten years or five years. But he would finish his calling no matter how long that is. That he would stay with it. As long as God has called him in it. I call your attention to scriptures that will encourage you. And this is a little, another little comment I thought of during this preparation. And it goes along with who's holding on to who. I mean, God, it's not me holding on to him. But if, if people look at us and say, 51 years, how'd y'all do it? 46 years in the ministry, how'd you do it? It's not me, but thee. It's not me. It's not me, but thee. Whatever God has called you to do, no matter what it is, He will provide everything that you need to be successful and accomplish whatever He calls you to. We need to pay attention to where the power is coming from, the source. Of the power. The power for victory. So let's look at some verses. And again I'm going to use the handy dandy Thompson. It is just so rich. So good. So organized. I wish I was half that organized. But Luke 10, 19. Now this, there's context for this. But I just want us to see some key things about this verse. And I don't think we really ever... Teacher preached much about this verse. But there's some key components here that are important about God's enabling grace and God giving this power and God being the source. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means Hurt you. Now notice. This is. The Lord. I give. Unto you. The power. Or I give unto you power. And I want us to see that. We need to see. Where's the, where's the power come from? Where's this grace coming from? What's the source? Because listen. We can really get really confused. About a lot of things. And think. Well, I, I get my, my, my source, my, my real energy from my friends. 
And I really depend on being connected. And that's how I keep going. That's how I keep motivated. No, you need to really understand that the, the source for the power to finish to the end is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen to this one, Romans 14, 4. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Kind of an amazing little message. To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up. For, listen to this, for God is able to make him stand. For God is able to make him stand. Nina, we've prayed for you from the beginning, from that day. And our prayer has been that God would raise you up. And I'm, I really believe in good doctors and good nurses and good hospitals. And I really support that. But we know the source of the one who raised you up. The one, he permitted it, he's allowed it, but he has allowed it to show others how, how great God is and merciful and powerful he is. When people had given up, when they said there's really not much that can be done, God is doing a miraculous thing in your family, in your life. For God is able to make him stand. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, who also hath made us able, who, listen, this is a, amazing, who also hath made us able ministered, ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Look at the very first part, who also hath made us able ministers. It's God who made us. Able ministers. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. This is amazing. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Boy, that is a mouthful. And God is able to make how much grace? All grace. All grace abound toward you that ye always having how much sufficiency? All sufficiency. In how many things? In all things. All grace, all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Folks, I'm going to tell you what. What an amazing, special verse that is. To think about the amazing power of God being able to provide all grace toward you 
and all sufficiency may abound in all things. You know, if you do some Greek studies, you're going to find out that all means all. And whatever we're facing, it falls under that category. Doesn't really matter what it is. God's grace is sufficient for every one of us. Oh, we're human though, aren't we? Do you ever look in the mirror and see your humanity? Anybody? Do you ever just wonder, you know, how do I even get through this? Because I just, I just find myself, you know, lacking in so many ways. Because we're all sinners. And we all do make mistakes. But we can count on, we can count on God's word. We can count on him. Our loving Heavenly Father provide all the grace that we're ever going to need for every situation that we're ever going to face. Any of them. All of them. And just when you didn't think you could take that other step, and just when you thought you couldn't pick up your foot and Go to the next ministry, the next class, the next assignment. And then you have to hear Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. See, it all goes together. You know, you just don't pull that out of context and say, I can do all things. That's all things according to God's will. But the reason I can do all things is because he strengthens me. Because he strengthens me with his enabling grace. He gives me the grace that I'm going to need to stand. Listen, folks, I don't know if you can really understand or comprehend. But when I surrendered my life to the ministry, honestly, that was a real fight. Because I did not ever envision myself standing in public and speaking in public. Ever. I... When I had to testify on a witness stand uh, as when I was a Houston police officer, when I'd get called to be a witness, I could literally see my badge just doing that. My heart would be pounding so bad, I would just say, oh, the, just to think, to stand up in front. I always wanted to be in the back, never in the front. And so for when I, when I say I surrendered to preach, that's exactly what it was. It was a surrender to preach. But whatever God calls you to do, you see, I didn't, I didn't have any training. I'm a barely high school graduate. You know, I attended some courses at Southwestern uh, uh, Seminary. But I just, I said, what, what? Do I have to offer? But I'm going to tell you what. It's, it's, when you understand it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him living his life through you. To minister to people. To do what, what, you, what you're not capable of doing. He will strengthen you through Christ. I can do all things. Whatever it is. Now make sure that when you walk through that door, that you're walking through a door that he opened, not one that you've kicked open. Okay? Make sure that the door you're walking through 
is a door that he opened, not a door that you've kicked open. Because if you kick open a door, then there's going to be carnality. And I don't believe there's any grace, enabling grace for a carnal believer doing fleshly activity. I'm not talking about immorals. I'm just talking about, listen, there, there, it's documented, it's, well, it's proven that Christians, and the scripture backs it up, people can do religious activity in the flesh. In fact, one of our first uh, ch churches, you know, my wife reminds me of this uh, a lot. There was a young lady played the organ. Our church, at our first church had an organ, if you can imagine. And she played the organ. And so one day, I just, in the, the pulpit, I made a statement, you know, if you're doing, if you're not being led by the Spirit, and you're really just doing this according to the flesh, there's not going to be any rewards for that. You can be doing something, religious activity, but if you're doing according to flesh and you're not led by the Spirit, and this is not how God is leading you, then you're wasting your time. She went home and told her parents, you heard the preacher, didn't you? And they said, yeah. She said, you know I don't want to play the organ. You know that y'all are making me play the organ. And the reason they were making her, because they were the family that pushed so hard to get the organ. But the biggest question was, well, if we get an organ, we don't have anybody to play. And they said, well, get the organ, we'll provide somebody. And it was the daughter. And she didn't want to do it. So she quit. And now they're mad at me. And that's the way we started off, you know. I hope that today when we leave that you can be so encouraged. Thank you. I can finish. I can do this. Not me, but thee. It's God who's going to do it. And he's called me. First Timothy 1 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen to this. Who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful Putting me into the ministry. 1 Timothy 1.12 And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. If God doesn't put you into the ministry you don't have any business being in the ministry. And I can tell you when God calls you in, for me and my house, it's going to be God who calls me out. And he will tell me when it's time to step aside. No one else. I want you to always remember, if you're having struggles in your marriage, I would encourage you to take Two words out of your vocabulary in your relationship in your marriage. One is divorce. And the second one is murder. Because I've always told the story that Linda and I early on said we'd never divorce. But I didn't. 
I had the little BS or the little asterisk. I said, but she never said she wouldn't murder me. So that I'm adding that. Two words. No divorce and no murder. And there will be days that you're going to really wonder if you can, if you can finish. And, and it happens. You've got a lot of forces coming against you. You've got the powers of darkness just going after you. They're going after you. They're going after you big time. They hate, they hate Christians. They hate what you stand for. They hate godly marriages. They hate a godly church. They hate your Christian life. Anything you stand for, they hate it. They cannot have your soul, but they can wreck your testimony. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to trust the Lord to trust him for his enabling grace. We're going to have an invitation, John. And by the way, you did a great job. I don't see that we're at the bottom of the barrel. I see we're right where God wants us to be. Because I know your heart. I know your heart for lost souls. I know your heart for the young men of this church. I know your heart for God's will and God's word. So you don't have to swing your arms. It's okay. And I, I had to lead the singing for a while, and I'm convinced that the crowds grew bigger just to come watch me stand there and, and move my mouth. That's all I did. But I want you to, I want you to be encouraged today to stay in the fight. You're going to have thoughts. You will have thoughts. There will be days when you hear these voices throw in the towel. Give up. You're done. You're toast. It's over. Stay in the fight. And I would encourage you also, if you know this is going on anywhere, stop fighting each other. That's such a waste of energy. That is such a waste. A valuable time. Redeem the time. How can you call that redeeming the time when you're attacking your brother? We're not each other's enemies. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Use your energy for something eternal. Lost souls in God's word. Don't waste your energy on carnal activity. God's grace is sufficient. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you can finish your course, your race that he's called you to. You can. I, I say not because of I know you or because I feel like um, you've got the willpower. No, I base it all on the authority of God's word. You can finish whatever God has called you to.
Cry out to him today during this invitation. Fall on your face today during this invitation. And let him minister his grace. You can tell. You'll be able to tell. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm, I'm saying you can tell when you're operating in the grace of God. You'll know it. Let's pray. Father, we trust you with the word that's been proclaimed here today to encourage believers. And that today we would leave this building uplifted because of who you are and what you're capable of doing in our lives. And I pray, Father, that we would be zealous unto good works and that we would be exactly the people that you've called us to be. And others would not brag on our strong willpower, but they would recognize it's the power of God in us and through us. And it's not about us, it's about you. And so I pray now that you administer your truth, your word, your spirit in a special way to everyone within the sound of my voice today. We trust you and we believe you because you're always good. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.